What's good, Internet? And welcome to session 46. I'm stopping. <laughs> I, I, I bet just goes, you suck. All right, you, you know, it's, it's smart. Quit while you're ahead. Okay. Ready. <laughs> What's good, Internet, and welcome to Session 46 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. As always, I am your host with the most, most Apex Legend kills, that is, Alex Arona. With me this week, as always, is Tom Nook fanboy Joel DeWitt. Joel, you getting that hype for Animal Crossing? I guess two kills does count as the most kills for the teams we played as. Um... You know, I am thinking about maybe getting a third copy. Maybe, uh, maybe our dog can start playing, and uh, you know, get some of those apples and, and fishing for us. Make him trade to you. Make him a, make him a mule. All he does is oh, grind man. for you. I. It's been so long since I've played Animal Crossing. I can't rem- even remember what kind of trading's offered for that. We don't know uh, what's going to happen with the Switch version, but I will say one word: dedication. I hope I hope I can be as dedicated as you one day. Also with us this week, after his plunge into the Jedi Fallen Order, Eric Getty Gettinger. At least you sound better this week. Yeah, you know, being sick really gave me the chance to build my own lightsaber and, and finish up Star Wars. Ooh, what color? Yeah, pink. It's a no-brainer. I want royal blue. Yeah, oh. you would. Yeah, I would. <laughs> All right, let's kick off this new year of our regular formatting with some puzzling beta action, try to gain some sponsorship in the news, and shoot our way through the backlog blog, maybe even a bonus segment. Who the hell knows? But first, <laughs> early adopters. Alphas, betas, pre-release games, and games that we were asked to test to see how we can break the servers. What did we break this week? First, Mad Experiments Escape Room. This game, uh, we were given a code to beta test and see how we could broke it, break it, and we broke it. That's, that's real. Yeah, we did break it. We all played a first-person escape room, and it was like a normal escape room. Getty, did you you played an escape room the the most recently of all of us. Was it like what you would expect? You mean like in real life escape room, right? Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it it did feel a bit like an actual escape room. There were elements where you could just like walk around, pick up random objects. I know that's the first thing that we all did when we jumped into this game. So one of the things that is kind of strange, but I'm not sure how you would do it differently, so props to the developer on this, but you're all floating masks. So all of our (laughs) floating masks were running around the room, picking up all of the items that we could find, and dropping them into the light source so we could find the clues. And that's, that's kind of what you do in an escape room. You try and figure out where your clues are at or try and pull a thread and, and see where it goes. Funny enough, there was a lot of red herring items. So it kind of became like, let's just grab everything and dump it into the middle of the room. And I think that that might have been our first mistake because it got us kind of lost. Yeah, oh, for sure. The, the books, we were actually trying to like read the tiny print in the books to see if maybe there were some clues that could lead us through this game. <laughs> Being someone who has never done an escape room, is that typical of escape rooms to have a bunch of non-related items to throw you off of the actual puzzle? The one that I did, yes. 
And okay. the the couple I've done, it was, it's about 50-50, I think. But I can imagine that, I mean, if you just have all the clues there, it's it's an easy one, two, three. But if you have yeah, okay. if you have some red herrings in there, you kind of kind of figure out what part is important and what's not. Even one of the la- later puzzles, part of the message was completely useless, and the, the the second half ended up being what was important. Oh yeah. So it was in a typical escape room where you walk in, you're in someone's office or a den, and there's lab equipment, but there's also a whole bookshelf, and there is a fireplace, a lot of different safes with combinations that you don't understand or what the reference is for. And your job is to figure out through various clues, notes, and things to open said safes, which will then give you another clue to open the next safe or the next puzzle to figure out the next steps. problem for me, though, is that in the beginning, there wasn't a good light source besides the fireplace. So the re- that's the reason why we took every single clue we found and just dumped it in the middle of the room was because we could hardly see anything in the dark. Yeah. It... But that's kind of expected. They want to gate you in some way so that you don't get all of the clues that you need at the beginning. You just need to find the ones that are essential for you to move on. Well, more importantly, going back to what you said at the start of this, is that if you pulled in clues for future puzzles and mixed them up with the current puzzles, it could just add some obfuscation and really confuse you with it, right? So in that way, limiting your visibility kind of forced you to hone in and focus on the stuff you had in front of you. And actually, to be completely honest, Joel, when it got to that point, none of the other things that we found were essential. <laughs> no, so yeah, the only, we found a lot yeah. more answer. We, we We solved every puzzle in the room, but at a certain point, we looked at the organization of the puzzles and found that you could skip pieces if you wanted. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. We, just never, we just never enough. got there. Which makes me wonder about the electricity puzzle that we had to complete. Because, yeah, no, I think that you needed to do it in order to, to put out the fireplace. Ah, I don't know. But either way, we we were f- able to figure it out in two tries. Since yeah, so this, this does have an hour time limit. And even figuring out, I think we got about a third to halfway the first time. And then when we redid it, it was easy for us to breeze through those first puzzles and then focus on the second half. So And then even then, we finished with like eight, seven, seven and a half minutes left. So right. it, was, it was a tough one. If I were to have one critique, it would be that the the picking up of items and rotating it to try to look around it was a nightmare. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know what your guys' experience was, but when I would pick something up and try to use the mouse to rotate it, you would be continually trying to drag the mouse down to keep it in place just to stop it from moving. Cause it was like, there was a natural slide of it going back to its original orientation when I was playing for some reason. And so like one of the things was there was a box and underneath the box there was a huh, message clue. underneath. Yeah, exactly. And it's like I was continually trying to slide just to read it, but then of course the font was so small that it was impossible to read while you're orienting it that way. And then on top of that, you would try to maybe like place it down on a surface so you could just set it down and look at it. Nope. But but you couldn't get it to sit upright, or like it would fall through the geometry of the table and fall back to the floor, back on its base. Like it was weighted. Every time, yeah, Joel, same thing yeah. for me. Every time I picked up that box, I'd be like, okay, now I'm just going to very carefully 
position it to drop it wow. and then the second you drop it you watch it fly through the air damn it <laughs> video game physics are tough it's it's hard to find that right balance of how much weight to give something how heavy to be something you know what i mean especially when you're when I, like there's so many objects in that room again the re- the amount of red herrings i think there was like seven or eight books oh yeah joel that clue that was on the bottom of the box mm-hmm. not important ah, god damn it yeah <laughs> right I, no, I think it might have been it was not. Didn't it have one dash one one? That one did not. No. Hmm. Maybe that was the one on the side of the couch. Uh, we, we should also we should also note I dropped off after the first uh, attempt because I was dead tired when we started. I was zero help. I was just more or less uh, adding to arguments when uh, we were stuck in spots, <laughs> and just sort of picking up stuff and, and orienting it around and. Uh, around. Oh, so. do, we, do we need to give out a shout to Ramos for helping us out through this one? Yeah, I'll give a shout out to Alex Ramos, a good friend of us, a friend of us, not to the podcast. He doesn't listen. That bastard. <laughs> Mad and everybody else. But he was part of the the multiplayer Mondays where we streamed this on Twitch, Twitch Twitch TV slash Super GG Radio, as well as it has been uploaded to our YouTube channel. So anyone want to see us struggling through an hour and. 53 minutes of trying to figure out an escape room but i overall i like the theme of it being you know was it 19 what year was it uh they weren't really clear about that it was like, like the 1920s the... or so i, so I, I want to say that was the time period no alex there was a freaking tv monitor oh you know i forgot i thought it was like an old-timey rate there was an old-timey Record player with the crank. What year was that? That, that was just gonna... to like set the mood mm, for okay. the escape room. I don't think that it actually had any bearing over when it took place, but Got that it. is called a phonograph. Yep, and a Tesla, Tesla coils and stuff like that. So I, but I don't even know when that time period is. I'm gonna stop. Yeah, I'm gonna stop trying to figure out time <laughs> periods. I'm gonna say an escape room like this is a unique idea because, uh, for instance. Kelly was telling Joel that he, she'd never been in an escape room. She always wanted to find one, but they live in, in near Iowa, and I don't know if there's a whole lot of escape room. There's a big escape room scene out there. I think we might have like one nearby. Mm. Well, yeah. you should take her. But in this instance, I felt very much like I was in those escape rooms I've tried. So I felt like this was a good representation of that. Maybe it's it's cooler in person to be able to do some of the things that we did. I know in the one that I went to with Beth and my brother-in-law, one of the things was you had to actually lift up the carpet and fold it in half, and the two ends of the carpet made a message. Hmm. So there is a lot more to it in, in the physicality of it, but the game did a good job of representing what it would be to be in an escape room. It would be... I'm interested to see how this game progresses if they include three or four escape rooms. I think that it'd be the price of admission for for something like that. One or two, two or three. I know there is a, yeah. there's a game series like this for, for mobile called the room. You ever played any mm-hmm. of those? Nope. No, we, we actually have a board game version of an escape room. And, and you got to my point is that I'm curious how many scenarios are going to have for this. Cause I feel like if it's just like one or two, it's going to be pretty over, over pretty quick. Right. I mean, uh, you have as many, chances to do runs as possible you're gonna figure out the puzzles and it's gonna be like one and done also the other thing that struck me is that 
it worked really well with four people. You know, a group of people playing, and I assume that's the best way to do an escape room, obviously. Yes. Yes. If it was down to just one person playing this, then I don't see how it's really much different than other 3D first-person puzzle games, right? Uh, So that that would be my other, like, caveat, is I think think to get that experience, you have to have a group of people to play this. Otherwise, I don't think it'll hit the same. I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I again those the the room games, they were like I think two or three bucks on mobile. But they made like three or four of them, and I mm-hmm. went through them. And again, once you kind of know the puzzles and you know the answers, it's pretty much done. But you know, two three bucks, and I went through four different ones. Even two three bucks each, I think that that's a you could you could make up the price for what you're doing if you include two or three. And in, even in, I'll I'll say this: you're looking for time. You know, if you're looking for time and money. I mean, each one, t- like, that one took us two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't, not everything needs to be something that you go back to over and over. So, like, that's, I don't want that to be the takeaway from this either. I mean, I, I'm fine with a game that is a one-time experience. You doubt what you did, you doubt out of it and move on. I just, uh, it's just something that sort of struck me as we were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And Getty didn't like this, but we did uh, get some hints from their Discord, because one of those puzzles... While clever, seemed insurmountable to me. <laughs> okay, so that's part of the the magic of the escape room, is that there's going to be times when you come across a puzzle and it's going to need you to think about it quite a bit, and we probably would have gotten stuck on it if Alex hadn't checked for the little bit of a hint that we got in order to overcome it. But I don't know. It, overall. The game felt really good with the couple of hiccups, mostly with the way that you manipulate objects. And also throwing objects into that fire made them go away. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't even get to talk about that. It's, if you walked items over to the fireplace and released them down, they would disappear. Not that they would burn up. They would fall <laughs> through the environment. <laughs> and actually, he said that on his Discord. He goes, I, I would suggest not throwing things into the fire. They will go away. <laughs> Which I thought that was funny because uh, the first time when it started coming to the end and we were kind of frustrated, we we're like, oh, we're not really getting very far. We're like, we have like 45 seconds. Well, everything's going into the fire now. And you know what? I think that the items probably fell through the environment into the room behind the fire. Yep. And that's why we weren't supposed to be doing that. But yeah. hell, we already biffed it. I bet that would create some elite strats for some uh, speed runs down the line. No, oh, maybe. No, you, uh, you don't need those items. Yeah, you, some of them were, again, some of them were red herrings. Hmm. But nonetheless, this was a, a fun beta test to try, especially for multiplayer Mondays. I We're trying to now organize getting Beth and Kelly into the escape room and let them go nuts. Hell, throw Lisa in there. Yeah, I don't know that she'd be down with that. Yeah, worth the shot. The next game that we played this re- uh, rec- relatively recently was Blockbuster. Getty, you were a little disappointed. Yeah, this wasn't a media rental store. <laughs> Is this the point where I bring up uh, Family Video and CBD? No, no, I, I'm fully aware of the Family Video. Hashtag ad. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, uh, our Family Video, they, they changed their front sign because they're always peddling the, the CBD gummies and oil and stuff. And their sign this past week just said, it's all legal. <laughs> Come inside. <laughs> CBD was CBD. already legal. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but um, now, but like what? you know, people get like very weird and don't, don't know the difference between a lot of that stuff. So at that point, they're just like, "Hey, no, there's no schema schema anymore. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you can you can everybody can come in. Come on. Hey, yeah. Here's the stuff that won't get you fired still. Yeah, <laughs> if you're gone. Yeah. Well, so blockbuster is. Yeah, I, I can uh, I can help you with that one. Yeah, go for it. Uh, it's a game. <laughs> Great. Good start. Good start. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, it's a top-down uh, kind of strategy game. I'm trying to find the best way to describe it, but you take the you take control of a, a block, and you can move it around in any direction, mostly any direction, because there's panels on the floor that you have to follow along. So uh, you can customize your block with all of these different kitschy little ornaments or colors, and uh, then you can go into matches and And, fall off the map. And hats. Oh, yes, I forgot about the hats. But the key to the game is falling off the map. At least that's what I found. (laughs) (laughs) That was the key for you. Yeah, Yeah. so I mean, this is a multiplayer versus matchup thing, right? And I think it was four players at a time, various map sizes. The tiles, they did color-coded based off of what color you're assigned on it. that's one of the game modes. Okay, I guess that's the only cue I ended up getting in, because that one was, like, the end of the match, whoever had the highest count of color counts was the winner. And you could either, like, just go one by one, and your block would be just rotating as you hit each square. Or you could, uh, there was this charge-up move that if you held the space bar for a few seconds and were pointed in the right direction, you would basically fly down the entire lane and uh, connect all the lines there. Uh, But, of course, everybody else is doing the same thing. So it's kind of like the Splatoon thing where everybody's just sort of going over each other's map spaces, but also you can also kind of... Uh, knocked into other people and knocked people off the side. And if that happens, you get sort of like a timeout for two or three seconds. And you have to just wait there while everybody else is accumulating spaces. So you only got to play the color clash, Joel? I guess so. I didn't realize there was more than that. Alex, did you get to play yes. any of it? I played. So what all, did you play? I played every mode. There was a... What is it? Uh, there was a deathmatch where you tried to shove each other off of the map... And yep. you, your little your little boost would knock somebody off, and if you knocked each other at the same time, it would just stun you both. And then around the edge of the arena were arrows that would, if you got close enough, it would just shoot you off the edge. So I think we can preface it by saying that there were a couple of different maps available, depending on the game mode that you played. So I never got to play King of the Hill. I only got to play Color Clash. Uh, I think there were two stages available for that. And the death match, which I think there were three. It was two or three again. Yeah, it was, it was available three. for that. Yeah, I just couldn't get anybody to to pick King of the Hill. Oh no! I, it was funny. I felt it was a little weird because they have you vote on what yeah. what version or what mode you're going to play. And every right. time it was everything I picked. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm in charge. Maybe no one else is picking. Maybe these are bots. Maybe it's my situation. But for some reason, everyone's like, I want to do color match and then i did i'm the only one who wants to do king of the hill and then it would, it would i'd get king of the hill and i was like oh man just getting i'm knocking these out of the park king of the hill it was it was pretty interesting just because the different maps offer different locations regarding 
I want to say hazards, like in the in the jungle map in the middle of the like the four squares in the middle had bombs in them that would blow you up. Yeah. And then there also again so the different arrows on the ground which would shoot you in different directions. They had those arrows in the color in the color fight, but at in the death match they'd be near the edge. So if someone shoved you onto one of those, you'll go flying off the map and you lose. Yeah. I had a similar experience with Deathmatch. I It was it was fun and <laughs> I, it, it was cool to see all the customization again. I I had a little top hat. I had had a matrix cube. So my cube looked like a matrix and I was just rolling around the grid with a cool matrix all over my body. That was cool. But it does beg the question how much are you willing to pay for all of those cosmetics? I mean, that's always a good question. Nearest whole dollar amount go. For all of it at once? No, like over the course of your time playing. Dollar per cube. Dollar per cube? Yep. All right. What about you, Joel? Zero. Oh, see. Yeah. I played Rocket Elite for how many hours now? I don't think I've spent a single dollar on that. It's just not... You're not, you're not the whale. Yeah, it's not the marketplace I engage in. It doesn't appeal to me enough to where I feel an itch to do it. The, the core game itself is what drives me to play it, and... If they do anything like the Rocket Leads or the Overwatches of the world anyway, hopefully they will, they will offer some sort of... Grindable uh, currency? Earnable, earn, well, not even that, just earnable items, like, over time, you know? I mean, even uh, even Overwatch has the loot boxes that you get by leveling up every so often. So, uh, the model's there, I just, I, I'm not that person to engage in it. Now, I think that that's what they're going to do, because you could gain levels as you... One, uh, I guess you get experience if you lost matches too, but you got a more substantial bump for winning matches. Mm-hmm. Now, this these games, they live and die by one thing and one thing only, and that's their loot box animation. Give me a good one. <laughs> Give me a treasure chest that pops open and gold fl- flies out. Send me something good. Because I think it has to. I think it has to be your block itself showing up. See, I, I thought that it, that, that seems it, frightening. And then it bursting. And bursting, and then like falling into different cubes. Like I did the Rubik's cube, and if it was that, and it just like exploded into Rubik's cube pieces, <laughs> I think they'd be pretty good. But at this point, <laughs> we're humanizing cubes. Do you really want them to explode into viscera? What do you mean we're humanizing them? We're at what point did you feel like you're human? I gave mine a yeah. top hat, sir. That doesn't make it a real thing. I can put my to- a top hat on my TV. That doesn't make it human. This right? N- not every hat is cappy. It doesn't humanize it's something that doesn't embody an inanimate object just because you throw a hat on you can do whatever you want you heartless monster (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm with joel on this one (laughs) fine i'm the minority heartless monsters two big pussy one (laughs) fine i'm the minority here just like in life (laughs) (laughs) wow i can't believe you took it there i played the race card on that one (laughs) yeah Blockbuster Should overall, I feel bad? No. <laughs> Blockbuster overall, I'm going to say that it's got some room to grow. I like the way it plays currently. It's got a good model, but I think that it could use some more maps. Even some of the maps currently, I felt were a little claustrophobic, if that's yeah. if that's a thing. Because it, it felt like some of the times I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of room to move. And maybe that would make some of the matches way too long. I, I haven't crunched the numbers. I don't, you know, obviously I didn't run this algorithm myself, but I, it, it did feel a little tight. I agree with you. There was one that was like an eight by eight grid and like it with four people, there's just 
too much congestion when you're trying to go around in that. And I mean, I guess the idea would be like it's purposeful chaos forcing you to encounter the other ones and confront them more consistently. Uh, but in practice, it was just kind of frustrating for me. You know? Okay. There's plenty of room to grow with Blockbuster and might as well keep an eye out on it and nope. see how it moves. Or rather, oh, how, it, the game. how it rolls. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Now that we did a virtual escape room, I'm sending one up at my house now called Beat Comic Zone or You Can't Go Home. Who's in? No. Anyone? Do, do you no. have a spare bed? Because I'll be staying for a while. <laughs> yeah. Let's beat Comic Zone. <laughs> After the break. Oh. <laughs> And we're back, back with the news, not all the news, just the news stories that caught our eye from across the dimly lit bar. You made it sexual this time. I did. I did. I did make it sexual. I kind of prefer this. Okay. Uh, Hey, hey news. This drink's on the house. (laughs) How you doing, girl? What you wearing? Who you with? (laughs) (laughs) How you living? (laughs) <laughs> okay so the news please, is please ca- tell me you approach somebody with that <laughs> no i've never uh i've never done how you live in but beth has gotten where you coming from girl that's <laughs> <laughs> like uh from my hotel room that's weird <laughs> okay so news is kind of light this week but we're gonna hit a couple points here uh the new switch model is supposedly launching this year some speculating a switch pro Joel, do you want to take the lead on this one? I don't know why we're doing this. I I mean, let me put it this way. I don't know why this is a possibility. Like, I... Okay, so the general news is that (laughs) there are rumors that a new Switch model is coming this year. Uh, Some are speculating that is a long-rumored Switch Pro, which would be an iterative redesign of the Switch that would be on par with the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One positioned to come out at around the same time that the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 would be coming out. Uh, there is there is also alternate speculation that uh, maybe this isn't the case, and since they just did an iterative update with the base model, the Switch, and with the Switch Lite, that they'll just ride it out, um, which is sort of where I land more on the scale. I, I, don't, I don't think there's value in a Pro Switch model. I... I I see the case for like wanting to try to not get too far behind because that was what the Wii had a problem with back when its life was ending. It's just like it was so far behind technologically from everything else that third parties didn't even want to bother making uh, ports for it at all. But this thing is already crazy popular. Its its brand is not about being a you know a huge powerhouse or anything. It's about the portability and the flexibility of being able to play where you want, how you want. And I don't, I don't know what the point of it is. Like, I don't see the value in it. Well, you're also got to think though, some of those ports that are currently happening are garbage. I mean, yeah. No offense, but like doom, Witcher three, Wolfenstein, 
I hear I hear Skyrim's all right, but that's and you know what? Good good on those developers for putting the effort through, and I'm sure there are people that are happy with them. But realistically, I wouldn't want those ports on Switch. I would want those developers to create something specific for Switch or port over games that were playable on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 and port those over with minor upgrades. But like this kind of trying to crossbreed current gen stuff onto this venue that doesn't really suit it very well because you're either going to sacrifice graphics, uh, frame rate, or both. I I don't... I don't see the value in it. Like to the the value proposition in Switch right now is Nintendo first parties because Nintendo has only gotten so far as to do 1080p graphics <laughs> and uh, focusing on their art design, and then a tidal wave of indies and old third third party ports. And I think they can ride that out for a little longer before they work on splitting their user base with this modular update that's going to end up just splitting it between the same kind of have and have nots that you have a PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro. I will agree because I'm pretty close to the end of Control and I'm on a base PS4 and parts of that game near the end are damn near unplayable. Yeah, I, we, we, I mean, we dabbled in this conversation a little bit back when we talked about the Xbox Series X and I, my opinion on it hasn't really changed since we talked about that and how the industry is moving towards this iterative stuff. And, I mean, I guess in some sense the Switch is better suited for it because you could see the same logic in the sort of iPhones and iPads and other tablets where they take like an annual model, they make minor changes over time, and then at some point just some games stop being supported on a later model. And I have problems with that. But I yeah, well I also don't trust Nintendo to do a great job about being clear where the cutoff of a stuff is. Uh and, and that's part of my reservation about it too. I bought a three DS laid into the game, and I was like, Okay, this is I'm gonna get it now because all of the games are out for the most part. It's not dying, but most of the games are out. They're not gonna make a new one. And as soon as I did the new quote-unquote 3ds came out (laughs) with the little laptop you know eraser head nub came out and then also for some reason it could play snes games some of those snes games i had not played ever and most of those i hadn't beaten and so i'm throwing up my hands being like why did i get a 3ds now and if this were to be that something like that i think i would be more frustrated than happy but uh, also note, I uh, just want to throw in our comment from our friend over, Trey over at Nintendo Main. What if it was TV only? And then that might be an interesting to go the exact opposite of the Switch Lite. But then again, like you said, it may end up uh, splitting the user base and they would throw more power behind it for games that may not work on a base Switch. Weird. Yeah. We're in a weird time. I responded to him too saying that only if you have to use the base Switch as a controller... And can only be ten feet away from the ba- from the pro system to play it on the base switch. That's just a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's the joke. Dot yep. JPEG. Yeah. <laughs> Next piece of news: Xbox Series X has a slogan: "Power your dreams." Now, now for, for okay. me, that's that's, a- that's not news. That's. <laughs> It is news. Well, it's more about the fact yeah, that I wanted to think about if you guys had any better slogans for the new Xbox. I mean, 
of course, you could just go like real hood with it and say Xbox Series X, make it clap. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Go to hell, Alex. <laughs> Xbox Series X, more clever a name than PlayStation Five. Xbox Series X, we ran out of X's. X X X X X X X X X. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Xbox Series X, this shit slaps. <laughs> okay. I I still don't. <laughs> this is supposed to be more clever than the PlayStation Five. They're just adding a series to it, and I still don't know what that's supposed to imply at the end. It's mm. it's supposed to imply I, that the, the whole point was that they could never keep up with the numbering scheme of the PlayStation. Being that that's why they went 360 when the 3 came out. and that's You why mean they, somebody I mean, screwed that, up royally when they started naming their systems. Yeah, that, that was a choice. <laughs> so, somebody, somebody in a meeting deliberated, and that was the consensus pick. Or some boss who was a real dick decided that he was going to strong arm his way to his answer. That That is not... <laughs> No, for that me, was un- no, un- why are we gotta compete with the PlayStation Three? <laughs> yeah. We could have three hundred and sixty. That's like that's like Nintendo going out with a Nintendo sixty four because it has sixty four bits of processing. Power. Oh, that made sense though. Yes, more more sense, but it's still you know, like that kind of jump from Nintendo Super Nintendo. I mean, they turned it on to Super Duper Nintendo. I mean, this Switch is quite literal. But that's what they, that's what they had the Ultra sixty four, right? Wasn't that like? Are you t- talking I think that was a code name, right? The little thing that you installed into your no, it was that was what the code name was. It was supposed to be like the Ultra Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, it's just like uh, GameCube was Dolphin, uh, Wii U I think it was Revolution. Yes, yes it was. Wii U was horrible mistake, and uh, <laughs> Switch was NX. Yeah, that's yeah. that's also true. No, I honestly think that from a marketing standpoint, they had to do something to compete. Otherwise, they were going to get decimated. Like. I told you, I went to Japan, and there was a full wall of Nintendo and PlayStation stuff, and then I want to say six to seven inches of wall space for Xbox. Well, that that's a mixture of things. Like, it's, it is it is one, like, yes, uh, Sony and Nintendo have had a historical foothold in Japan, be, you know. Being but Japanese companies. Also, yeah, they're based out of Japan. So, like, it is generally hard in Asian nations for Western companies to eat their way into their businesses and to their ecosystems. And it usually requires some sort of partnering with a local business to make your way in and to gain a foothold. And I I don't know enough about Microsoft his, Microsoft's history, but I haven't gotten the sense that they've made a real concerted effort to make their way in either. So no, I think they, I, I think I'm they've not, given up. I think it's more the fact that they just stopped with the Xbox One. It did with 360. I want to say they were trying. Yeah, that could have been the case. But also, I was not I was not plugged into Microsoft at all by that point. So, mm. well, Xbox Series X, power your dreams. Yeah. Okay. Powered by dreams? No, power your dreams. Yeah. Powered by Plugged dreams actually might be better, honestly. Yeah, except that would be stealing from uh, dreams. Oh, uh, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right uh, last piece of news: uh, more Batman teases from WB. Uh, Joel, I'm excited <laughs> about this. <laughs> As am I. Let us have our moment, okay? You got to. No, switch I, it up here already. I, I will. I will. Uh, candidly, I, I am planning on going back to the Arkham games sometime. 
Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my disdain <laughs> for, to that to one launch sigh, and we'll move on. Well, I could just make it video game punishment homework. Yeah, let me know because I have to play it. I've hundred percented. Uh, I want to say the mainline three series, and I beat twice Arkham Origins. I didn't. No, no new new rule here for it to be video game homework. At least two of us have to have not played it before. Also, video game homework is not supposed to be a punishment. It's, you started it. I yeah. did not. When did I punish yeah. you? <laughs> Doty Doty Literature Club was fun, and it was a good Sui- conversation. Suicide Murder Club. That's what it was. There's new content, Joel. Don't start with me. I, that should be new. New Doki Doki Literature like... Club content coming out soon. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Doki Doki Literature Club colon Waifu Wars. I would play that. <laughs> getting this out <laughs> I of here. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Microsoft will power our break. Can you imagine getting that sponsorship? Let's settle for White Claw. Super GG Passion Fruit? Make it happen. Hashtag ad. Okay, I not. can't believe I made you skip the Batman news. <laughs> We talked about the Batman right. news. There's not much to talk about. It was an image. It was a rumor. Waiting for it. Fair. That's what everyone's everyone's talking about. They're like, great, more teases. We'll get the game will come out what in three years. Anyway, mm, if they're if they're teasing it, I bet it's closer to two or one. It's more about the fact that they're giving such minuscule information with no payoff. Usually, it's a leading up to something, but the gaps between them are like months in between. It's yeah. it's gonna just fizzle. Okay, I'm taking us on a break. And we're back. Back with the backlog blog. Backlog blog is games that some of us fell off of, and then were dragged back into kicking and screaming, as well as games that were in a back catalog. The reason for kicking Thank you and for sc- clarifying. The reason for the kicking and screaming worried. is because I got Joel back into Apex Legends. Uh, I'm sorry, kicking Joel. Screaming. Follow me into the <laughs> darkness, Joel. It's you know, where do we want to start with this? Um, <laughs> Wherever it I, makes I, you uncomfortable. Ba- Battle Royale as a genre it is something that is more interesting usually to me in theory than it is in practice. Uh, PUBG actually did capture me for a little bit when it first came out. I don't regret buying it or playing it. Uh, the sort of like tension that builds in PUBG as you're trying to sneak around and deal with sort of uh, wonky controls and uh, just trying to survive in spite of all that. It was a unique feeling playing a shooter game that I didn't recall feeling, at least in recent memory. Uh, while we're talking about Apex Legends today, I remember when it first came out, I was impressed with how good it felt. Uh, made by the same people who made Titanfall 2. Uh, Respawn? Yep. They also did yeah. that Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order. Which I played, mm-hmm. but we won't talk about it. Shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, Battle Royale, except in this version, unlike PUBG, you have to queue up with two other people. So it's three-man teams, unless there's special events or activities. And just like outside of that, you are dropping from the sky, 
you are collecting loot as you fall, procurement on site, and then you are continually being funneled into a safe zone that is shrinking until you are fighting to be the last man standing, or in this case, last team standing. That pretty much sums it up. That sounds right to me. I have never played it, so... Now, what makes what sets Apex apart is the fluid motion, as well as throwing in the character action game like in Overwatch. You get these characters that have different abilities that will affect how they play. And you pick your, you pick your character, and then so you have the character I use, Bangalore has uh, a she can drop smoke grenades that so if she needs to heal she can drop smoke around her and people can't get to her or if i I saw joel was getting shot i threw a smoke grenade and he could run away Mm -hmm. and then her ultimate she can call down an airstrike that shoots down missiles at people in an area but then there is a girl that has a little healing bot that whenever she goes to resurrect somebody it puts up a shield that some that uh, people can shoot that can you can block bullets while she's healing, but also she can throw out a healing drone that'll heal people as well as she can call down uh, a pod that will have helpful items. So you can really play to your strengths and they are consistently updating it with new characters and they have a second map right now that is, that has taken over the first map. The, I don't watch Twitch streamers. I've said before, but there was one person that kind of caught me I just randomly stumbled upon and started watching this guy, and all he does is play Apex Legends. And it kind of drew me into wanting to play that game again, and it kind of put me on this path where I'm like, man, I just, that's my that's my, that's my my full-time time waster right now. It's like whenever I'm like, okay, and I have nothing to play, and i got nothing to do right now, and I'm just going to play a round or two of that and then be done. It works well for that point. It's just because like a match can take anywhere from what, like 30 seconds to uh, 30 minutes? Depending on how less. spicy you get, yeah. Right, yeah. It's Spicy. <laughs> so, like, it, it becomes pretty clear where people are going to end up dropping as you go through, because as you're dropping, you can look around you and see other people's flight patterns as you're going around, and you don't a group of three, but you can technically, like, split off from your teammates if you want to. Uh, it's probably ill-advised, but you can do it. And it's just, like, there are... It's a weird feeling because, like, there are moments that feel like PUBG in that sense. Like, when you're dropping first thing and there's a ton of people around you, so you're scrambling to either find any weapon you can shoot people with or just trying to run around flailing and punching. But also, it is such a better feeling game being made by Respawn. Like, it, it feels about as good as a Call of Duty or a Titanfall to me. That That's the kind of quality <laughs> a first-person shooter you're talking about here. And... It, it helps a lot in terms of feeling familiar and, and understanding how to work within the system to uh, work it to your advantage. And, I, yeah, it's it, it's a good game. Like it's Even if it's not a genre that I think I'm in love with, it's, it's a very good game. And the character abilities help create a little bit of variety. And unlike PUBG... In this game, the respawn or the reviving your teammates thing is a little different in that so like you can be downed but not dead. And like in PUBG, a teammate can res, uh, revive you there. But if you're downed and then you're killed, it leaves like a, a tablet or a card that a teammate can pick up and run with. And if they make it to a respawn like a little terminal, you can then bring them back to life. So that's like a nice added little extra layer of 
survivability that they've added <laughs> on to it too. So that you don't have to sit there and wait. Maybe you could come back to life. Right. Now, the only downside about that is if you get to the point where you have to be completely resurrected, you lose all your gear. So right. like you're resurrected, you're completely naked out there, you have to go try to find scraps. And usually if you're at that point in the game, a lot of the areas of the map have been cleared out of the good stuff. So you're going to be handicapped a little bit in that way. Until you kill but it, others to get their stuff. Well, <laughs> until you kill so others ominous. to get stuff. But I <laughs> I think I've gotten maybe like one kill every night we played. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> now, I just want to kind of real quick break down why one of the things, again, learning from that Twitch streamer who does like actually Apex uh, YouTube how-tos and explains what he's doing. He's, he's very high level. He's actually a sponsored person. He actually goes and competes in Apex Legends tournaments and stuff like that. But I just uh, want to give some of the big, the finer points for me that have kind of stuck out to the game as something that stands out above the rest. And that comes down to, for instance, we, one of the things that, that was the big thing with Apex was you can ping. You can, with push of a button, you can point out different things on the map. So you can point at a gun and ping it, and it'll say, hey, there's this gun here. But... The, what I found is that there's more nuance to that contextual pinging. You can ping enemies, and it'll show on the map. Like, like I can look to the left and see a red mark, and that's where I know the, the enemy was. So I can point out, I can ping a bunch of enemies, and then all of my teammates can go and start, okay, i got to go that way. I'm going to go around them. I'm going to try to figure out where they are, even if I'm downed. If I'm downed on the ground, I'm crawling away, I can ping the enemy so that I know they can know, hey, this guy's right here. But that also goes a step further you have a gun but you need an attachment oh i want to be able to hold more bullets i need this attachment if you ping that on your uh, icon screen it'll say hey i need this then on top of that you can ping oh i'm gonna go over here i'm gonna you ping like a building and it says i'm gonna go over here i a second person can look at that point ping it as well and say got it so there is like an acknowledgement back and forth they really did take well there is voice chat they took the need out of it because there's so many ways to contextually ping the game you can point out an item like i said here there's armor here you can go ahead and grab it or you can you can ping it and then says dibs then once you grab it you can ping again and your guy will say thank you and i can ping right back that says you're welcome so that sounds sounds interesting yeah it is a very very nice feature to include because like when we were we played uh for a little while together a few instances at least and i found myself trying to use like uh time <laughs> as my die does they give you a little uh uh north south east east west what is it called compass 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 that's the word uh they give you a little sort of like compass indicator at the top in PUBG, and so i would sort of be like trying to use the compass area and be trying to give like oh yeah I'd, on your three on your six <laughs> like there's this or that or that or this is where we're being shot at but the problem is that i'm not all that good at coordinating like trying to do defensive measures while warning other people whereas just having a button being able to correspond with like here's something that's useful oh here's this person that i'm shooting at i'm gonna ping them so i can at least notify my teammates that there's something over here you might want to be wary of it's it's nice uh it's a nice intuitive thing to add and uh, the last thing i want to state is that the the guns you get basic guns but there are attachments that you can find throughout the world that are just bonus items to pick up and they really kind of change how you play there is a there's a laser laser gun that takes a while to 
spin up. It takes a second. But if you there's an attachment called a turbocharger that when you hook up to it, all of a sudden it's firing rapidly right off the bat. So it changes the gun and how it plays. And they have numerous versions of that all over the map with all of these different guns. So you can play a gun one way, but then you add an attachment and it changes entirely how the gun works, which is cool. But then, funny enough, they added they added a gun. They added this is their second second uh, set of updates, and they added a, a new gun. And it's the gun from Titanfall that you use. It's just a, a laser beam that's just like a giant beam cannon that used to be for taking down Titans. <laughs> the big mechs in Titanfall, but now you could just have it and just rail on someone with a laser cannon. It's ridiculous, but it's just super slow. So there's a lot of back and forth mechanics to the game, and you can choose to be a sniper. You can take one a scout rifle, add a sniper scope, add a sniper like back end, and now you can shoot from really far away without having any kind of sway. But if you use that gun normally, it's just a normal gun. You can you can really add and change and customize how you play with your your the, with the game itself. So. Alex, what's the back end of a sniper rifle called? The butt? The stock? The stock. There is a stock. So, guys, I, I've never played this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are your mains, and uh, why should I care? <laughs> <laughs> I play... Like, what, uh, what are their abilities that you uh, like? So I play... Path, is it Pathfinder? Pathfinder. Pathfinder is this big, dorky-looking robot with a <laughs> screen in its belly, like it's a Teletubby with a smiley face in it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his ability is like a grappling gun. So you can, uh, his base ability is a grappling gun that basically is like bionic commando. You're shooting it against something within reach. You are swinging it and you've got a little bit of control of motion in air. And then his alt ability is basically like creating a zip line that'll reach a lot farther. So okay. it creates a lot of cool verticality and movement as you're running around. Also, he has a um, dodge stuff. He has a secondary ability that there are certain points on the map that you can go and plug your USB finger in, and it will show you where the next circle is as the circles are closing. Ah, each that's, each person kind of has handy. a different like a third like a third, not really a big deal ability. I I use Bangalore, who uses the smoke gun and then also calls down the missiles. But as soon as a shot gets fired in my direction, I get a boost of speed to run away. Smoke gun? It's it's a little cannon that she shoots at the ground. It shoots diff, uh, three different smoke grenades around you so that you can be blocked. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Apex Legends is a lot of fun. Hey, Steve played with us, and he had a great time. Not with me and Joel, but he played with me, and he had a great time on PS4. <laughs> now, Getty. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, free. I think that... It's that, free everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. It definitely sounds like... Uh, there was something behind it like yeah he had a lot of fun not with joel <laughs> god forbid hey no no well joel doesn't play on ps4 he was playing on pc with me you know it used to be just implied that nobody had fun playing with me now it's just I, being overt hey man i didn't been, you were killing it the other night it was good <laughs> I, I i killed one person we talked about this <laughs> getty you played mutant year zero Road to Eden. This is on my list. I'm I want I'm waiting for it to go a little cheaper on Switch, but that is definitely something I've been keeping my eye on. You got it for free on the Epic Game Store. I know. Yeah. You got it for free on the Epic Game Store. I know. That's how epic it is. I don't want to play it on PC. Tell me about it. <laughs> you don't want to play it on PC? I want to play it on the go. Alright, so I would describe this as a top down strategy tactics. And it has roleplay elements. Can we call it an XCOM-like? We can, yes, we can call it an <laughs> XCOM-like. 
I was going to try and avoid saying that, but you already got it. So Way to be pejorative. At least Joel. I didn't call it a Zelda-like. Yeah. It's got Zelda-like <laughs> Way to be pejorative, mechanics Joel. in the game. <laughs> uh, so the, the basic uh, backstory of the game, uh, it's, it's the near future, the world is ended, and there's one last beacon of civilization uh, that sits in the middle of uh, what what the place is called the zone. So you go to this uh, suspended city where you're based out of, and you got two mutants that are your, like your your main go-to guys. You got Borman, who <laughs> is a boar, and then I believe the other guy is named Ducks. Yeah. He's the the duck. They aren't clever it's, with their names. Not at all, but <laughs> I, I don't think that they have to be. And uh, the tone of the game is very serious uh, for what it is because uh, the world has gone through this plague and there's not very many people left. And the mutants that are on your team, they're the ones who have to go out and they find scrap and materials in order to keep the last city going. So the gameplay, the actual gameplay, it's open world zones. So each one of the zones that you can go into is open for you to explore. You can pick up items. And then combat is where you become squad-based and tactical. It is not like XCOM in the aspect that you do get to move freely around the map Mm -hmm. before combat starts. So in, in XCOM 2, you have to still position your characters and move them around the map in the grid-based form. This one, you can move around freely, and then once you start combat, then it creates the grid on the ground, and you have to move in the parameters of what each of your characters can do. This doesn't have like a mission system. You're not dropped onto one map, right? You're continuously traversing? You're continuously going from map to map. So you do get a mission. Uh, it, It starts out pretty simple. It's like, just get back to... Get back to base. Okay. So you, you have to make your way through the zones, killing bad guys uh, as they come up, or you can completely circumvent it. The game is kind of forgiving like that. However, you do need to level up, and the only way to level up is by killing bad guys. Of course. So the the ones that I played this, I played a little bit of XCOM, and then I played through uh, Phantom Doctrine, and the, one of the differences between those two, besides the theme and tone and aesthetic of it was that XCOM leans heavily into chance and percentages about your likelihood of hitting and Phantom Doctrine uh, it would give you a clear cut like from here this will hit this is how much damage it'll do where does this fall in that yeah it's the same kind of thing you get a percentage when you go to attack okay but it's not as random as XCOM in my experience so 75% actually feels like 75%. That's good to know. It doesn't... Yeah, because I feel like XCOM 2 would screw me over on purpose. It'd be like, you have a 95% chance to hit, like, okay, I shoot, miss, completely biff. Yep. It's not It's not even close, guys. No. The... the uh, I know you, you said you had a really good time with this, and I'm excited to get into it. I just want to note, the one problem I had with this that I found out later... Was it, you only have these, what, three or four characters? There's four, hold on. It's the duck, the boar, and the lady. There's five. Five? Okay. 
Yep. That's better. So you get duck boar, a lady with horns, a guy with no physical that mutations that you can see, and then you get the fox lady. There we go. See, that? I, that's cooler at least. I thought you just had the main three, and then I was kind of bummed. I was like, I want a whole squad, and I want to change them out. I want different mutations. So in, in that case, since it's limited to that many, I assume there's not permadeath then. There is, yeah. Oh, there is. Yep, depending on uh, how you sounds play. Like, it sounds like you really screw yourself then if you... Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. I mean, that, that was another thing I felt about... Uh, that's time and especially Phantom Doctrine is that there for Phantom Doctrine there was such a high head count of agents I never really felt like I was in true danger of funneling myself into like a no possible way to win state so did you end up like save stumming in case you found yourself in a bad spot or it saves always before you start battle so it's pretty generous yeah well okay so (laughs) there's different modes that you can play it on and one of them will save it after every single turn so there's no way for you to go back. Mm. Yeah. That could be so if you screw up. Yeah. One of the really forgiving parts about this one is that once combat ends, anybody that's still out on the ground, like bleeding out, they'll pop back up. That's so not bad. Okay. If you feel like, oh, God, I need to finish this fight right away and you only have one guy to take out, then it's uh, it's very possible to come back from the brink. <laughs> So yeah, to to what Alex was saying with the limited amount of characters you get, it does limit the amount of different abilities that you see in the characters. So uh, Borman, he gets a... Uh, everybody has a passive ability, like an action ability, and then another, let's call it like a better tier, like special ability. So Borman, he gets like a, a charge attack, which is essential for the game. I don't know how you would beat the game without the skill. Uh, but then somebody like Ducks, he he can grow wings, which allow him to fly above into the air and get a better vantage point where he can shoot from. And then there's uh, the humans. They have One of them has mind control. The other one can kind of web people. Uh, no, she grows roots out of the ground to subdue them for a turn. Okay. So there are different abilities that the characters get. And they have cooldowns, but the cooldown isn't based on the number of turns. The cooldowns are based on how many kills you get. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So if you blow all of your abilities right at the beginning and you don't get any kills, you're going to have a bad time. So you really got to plan out who is killing what so that way they can get their cooldowns back up. Yeah. It's all about managing the guns that you have because the playthrough that I did, I went mostly stealth so there's silent weapons uh there's a silenced pistol it's not like a machine gun it it, it looks like kind of like a machine gun but there's a silenced machine gun and then uh, there's the bow like the crossbow so all of those are silent if you attack somebody with them it's not going to draw the attention of everybody else in the area because you better believe if you walk into like the first fight and you just blast somebody with a shotgun you're like even if he's you think he's far enough away from all the other enemies no they're going to hear it and they're going to come running. <laughs> so you might be like, yeah, I'm just going to take down this one guy. And then nine other guys across the map are now alerted. <laughs> now, how did you feel about the gritty story? Was everyone Did everyone have uh, relatively interesting personalities? Or was there a good back and forth dialogue? Or was it a pretty by the numbers, this is what we got to do? This is kind of where the game roped me in. So 
the tone of the game is so serious and it's got like a very political stance that it's taking like warning against global warming uh nuclear winter like all of the things that could possibly go wrong but the the delivery of it with how dramatic they are that borman especially he's like this world is garbage i can't even look at the humans anymore <laughs> And uh, so but I'm is he doing full Rorschach. Is yeah, that what's happening? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, there's one point. This is possibly my favorite part of the because it came with the DLC too. The DLC was good. You kind of needed it to finish some of the story. But you get to uh, hold on because I had to write this down because it was too funny. Uh, you get to the Horned Devils camp, and you're like, oh, the Horned Devil. Like, yes. This was a dangerous creature back in the day. It was a fucking moose. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you look at the billboard, and it's just like this happy-go-lucky moose. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Like, that's that's the horned devil right there. That's good. In my my darkest nightmare, Bullwinkle is the final boss. Yeah. Yeah. So, just like the way they talked about it, like... And then, uh, just... There's a lot of little things like you think like oh they they can't be too serious they like they're dead serious like this is this is awful like they'll come across scrap or items and they'll be like oh yes this item it's like a like a car battery like this was used on their devil machines like all right yeah I guess so that, cars are the devil that's good flavor text and and good like a way to frame a perspective in a like almost post-apocalyptic world where the knowledge of what these things were has been warped over time. That, that, that kind of stuff is really cool when they can create a new concept over these mundane things. Yeah. It felt really good. The story, I, the thing that I really wanted was more closure at the end. And like I said, you have to play through the DLC content that they add in there to get some closure but honestly, this—if they're putting out a sequel, I'm paying full price for it. I really liked it. I would like to support these guys more. It's a little bit more forgiving than XCOM, which I appreciate. It could get a little repetitive at times, mm-hmm. but it also felt good to, you know, master the system and be like, okay, so I just have to do this to kill this guy. Uh, throw a EMP grenade in the middle of the robots that gives me a couple of turns to try and take them down. It, it makes you really think strategically. I like it. It was a lot of fun. Again, I'd, I would definitely pick up a sequel Okay. if they're putting it out. And then maybe get some new animals in there. I, I've been waiting for I this one. It came out very late 2018, like December mm-hmm. 2018. So actually, a lot of people were complaining that they couldn't put it on their Game of the Year list for the 2018. But I am very excited to try to get a chance at this. Yeah, do it. Pick it up. It's You can probably get it for a pretty good deal, but if you're waiting for Switch, I think you're going to have to wait longer. And it's free on the Epic Game Store. Exactly. You have it for free already. Mm-hmm. Joel, do you think you'd get into this one? I mean, I have it. <laughs> <laughs> Along with uh, 59 other games on the aforementioned dame store um <laughs> you, you know it, it's it's one of those things where it sounds intriguing and it sounds like i would like it if i would put the time into it i'm just not i need to be in the right mood for a strategy uh game like that and i'm, I'm not sure i'm ready for it yet 
I am. I might yeah, take. I might it, take it up on there and just try it, it, give it a shot. It doesn't have to be as heavy as as you think. You could actually just run and gun and try and power your way through it. I'll let you okay. know how that goes. I'm usually bad at stealth. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> it's it's nice that you can do the stealth. Like you can position your characters around the map and and wait for somebody to show up and then get the jump on them. But if you really want to just run and gun, man, I'll tell you, you can do it. There okay. were a couple of times when I was just like, screw it. Ran in three characters with shotguns, mowed everything down. Okay. Now, see, now I'm in. Now, if we can just trick Getty into the Apex Legends cult. <laughs> Getty, what are you doing this weekend? I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons with you. No, after that. Uh, then I'm going home. And after that? I'm not playing Apex Legends. One game. Come on. And now I'm 31 and 1 and 2. That was a very confusing puzzle. <laughs> yeah, it was. But for now, we're going to take one more break before... Bonus section, what's your beef? Be right back. back back with what's your beef because i got beef i oh, just wait i think i know what it is <laughs> okay so no i just wanted to discuss real quick a problem i've i've noticed in the games that i've played over the last couple of years and it's not a it's not a massive problem it's not a consistent problem but it has shown up in a way that i wanted to discuss it's called giving you a plethora of options to play the game however you want and go to different sections and explore and just make your own story and then it's time for story and we're going to railroad you from beginning to end and just kind of push you towards the end as quickly as possible. Games like Final Fantasy XV, Death Stranding, and most recently Control. Love Control... Uh, one of the best games I've played, one of the best stories I've played, but I do feel like at a certain point I'm exploring, I'm finding new areas. I'm finding areas I'm not supposed to find and finding places I can't get into yet, but then I go back and I can get into them later because it's, it's more of a Metroidvania. But once I hit a story point, it starts rushing me and it doesn't force you. It doesn't force you, but it kind of heavily implies like, oh, cliffhanger, you got to go find the next story point. Because things are all messed up. And then, oh, cliffhanger, you got to find the next story point. And you got to keep going and going. I'm like, oh, well, I might as well just kind of see what's going on. And then I realize, oh, this game's almost done. And I, like, it didn't, it just kind of shovels me in there and then forces you to kind of just go from point to point. And that's kind of how Death Stranding was. And that's how Final Fantasy XV was. And I don't, it throws off pacing in a game. And it makes me just feel a little rushed all of a sudden when... I feel like, oh, I'm having a good time. I'm at a party. Everyone's having a good time. And then also midnight hits and it's like the host just shoves every single person out the door. It's like, wait, yeah, we're having a good time. It's midnight. What happened? Get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go to bed. That's See, how this podcast works. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel what happened with Control uh, more recently. I haven't run credits on it, but I'm on the last part, essentially. The last uh, battle... Uh, what is it called? Where they just throw waves. Sequence. Yeah, the last, last battle sequence. sequence of it. And it's fine. I'm happy. I love that game, but I just I just felt at the end they were just shoving me out the door, and I didn't necessarily appreciate it. Did you buy the DLC yet? It's not out yet. 
Did you buy the season pass so you can get it when it comes out? No, but I probably should. Yeah. It's worth it. It's well worth it. And I'm, and I'm going to go back, uh, from my understanding, there's context to reason to go back and then 100% it. So I'm going to try to platinum it. But at the same time, it was I just, I just wanted to discuss the fact that it rushed me out the door and I wasn't particularly pumped on that. You don't know that DLC is worth it. It's not out yet. No, but they, with the fact that they've hinted heavily at Alan Wake being involved in the in the game currently, in the game proper, and then they have DLC that's supposed to focus a little bit more on Alan Wake, that's pretty exciting to me. Daddy's trying to Destiny 2 you, and like, have you pre-ordered DLC? You don't know what's going to be in it yet. <laughs> it's that's, I'm trying that's to do bad, what all the video games do. That That's a bad road to go down. I made Alex. the mistake with Destiny 1. I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> Go get Kakarot. Also, can I just DLC. say that Destiny 2, Let me know how it is. the new expansion, Joel, you're the one who bought it and then convinced me to get it. Yeah, Destiny 2 is a good game. <laughs> it was worth it. Did he just he just waffled. Yeah, I know. He just like, oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> but have you guys ever no, experienced I, I something didn't, like I didn't that? pre-order it, you fool. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't pre-order it. It was already out. But have you guys experienced something like that in games? God of War. I, I mean, I, I have not played Final Fantasy 15. I've barely scratched the surface of Death Stranding. But God of War is something where it, there are parts where it touts a more open world, but more or less as you're focusing on the story beats, it has these very clear corridors and spaces where it is funneling you towards. And God of War doesn't necessarily have like a huge open world, but it, there is a larger area that is built around it, the story. Uh, so in that way, like it, it has similar challenges, but it's kind of them splitting the difference, right? I mean, it's, it's them wanting to have those sort of tight narrative segments, but also have the freedom that people are looking for. Because I'll, I'll tell you, I played uh, a little bit of Shadow of War mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year, and that thing tries to handle it differently so no matter where you're at in that game it is in an open world like you you can be within the midst of a mission outside of a few of them and you can be sort of like running around the entire area and just causing general chaos and there was a spot where i had ad wrote a bunch of orcs but like my mission marker was to get to this one character in one spot and once i got to that one character all those monsters that were chasing me down disappeared just dis- <laughs> just disappeared around nice. me and then it just went to the cinematic got out of the cinematic everything was reset the whole table was reset so like it, it is this really immersion breaking kind of thing where it's like this is a game and it's not trying to really tell me a well thought story it's just a game a, a play box a toy box to play in right so for these games that are trying to become a more cinematic experience, telling a more serious story, I can see why they're trying to find some sort of middle ground. No, I could, I, I see the middle ground there. And I don't want it to be a massive open world RPG or those kinds of games. I lose the plot in those. And that's a very well-chronicled thing. I, I, I have problems with the Skyrim. I have problems with the Fallout. I just I can't do it. But at the same time, let's bring it right back to Arkham... Uh, was it uh, Arkham City, uh, Arkham Knight? Either one of those games, I felt like the the game would stop and pace yourself and say, "Hey, take 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 a break, go do some other stuff." You know what I mean? Just go ahead and try to figure out how to 
like, oh, here's a story beat. Then let's stop. Let's do a little bit more stuff. Then let's take another break. And, like, let's do some more side stuff. Just explore the world. Then go back to the story. Not just, like, backloading it all into one solid thing. Yeah, that was more common in the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 generation. Because it it was similarly the infamous games did that. Where you have this open sandbox world. And then you hit the mission and the mission was this very clearly choreographed thing that you are funneled into once you decide to go to the mission but until you do you've got the rest of the sandbox to go play in but it would break it up though right it wouldn't just do it all in one big kind of like shotgun thing no it was at your leisure pretty much and that's what i'm saying is that in in the batman arkham games there are points that say, here's the story, and you do a cinematic thing, and then you pop back out and it goes, oh, here's the open world again. If you want, it, if you want, go ahead, do some more stuff. But then another story beat will happen. It just, it just, the pacing is different, and I prefer a pacing that keeps me engaged longer than just kind of shoves me out the door quick. And I guess I don't want a padded out thing either, but I, I just felt that it, it just really kind of rushed it rushed it in a way that it just it seemed off and it felt a little if it felt different it felt different than the first half of the game yeah the the only problem for you now is that the thing that you're having trouble with it's kind of the thing that's in vogue right now so uh, unless there's a shift back to that more open style come playstation 5 and xbox triple x i don't know if uh i don't know if we'll be seeing that anytime soon except for like the Saints Rose of the Worlds or the Crackdowns of the Worlds that are more about being explicitly about screwing around in that open world. Yeah, man, you're stuck. Yeah. But, Kenny, do you understand what I was saying with Final Fantasy 15 at least? I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I feel like at some point, though, if you've gone and done everything that you can in that big open world portion, then they want you to, you know play through and finish the rest of the game you could always go back you could teleport back anytime after what the train well yeah I, I i know that you can teleport back it just i'm just saying is that the pacing can be can be better i think that the way that they formatted it open world at the beginning and then towards the end trying to get you to finish it yeah if you don't take the time but at that point i had done everything that i could I felt like I had accomplished so much, so I didn't have a problem with finishing the story. Well, that's my beef. Now, if anybody would like to write in about any of their video game beefs, they can at superggradio at gmail.com. I still think this segment needs to be changed to Nerd Rage. <laughs> we'll workshop that. <laughs> right now, we're going to work on one last thing. One last thing is our one last statement, our sign-off. Something to send you, the listener, into the weekday, us into the weekend. For me, I started Super Metroid, just to fill that void in my back catalog that I've never touched any of those games. Gotta tell you, it helps to know what the buttons are. (laughs) They don't have those good old-fashioned tutorials that they have nowadays. I don't have the manual, so let me tell you, it took a while for me to figure out that there was a dash button. Also, five missiles to open up a pink door. Come on, what kind of crap is that? What you, you didn't play around to figure out that there was a dash button? I did not realize that. How would I have known? That's, that's bad on you. 
It's it's too bad we don't have a resource in our pocket at all our times that has the ability to connect to a wide array of information that might also contain <laughs> something like what buttons do what and how many hits it would take to open a door. No, that's what I did. I Googled it. I'm just saying, <laughs> I guess, I, I guess what, my, what my brother said was, yeah, if you had played the original Metroid, you would know. Yeah, you would have understood. Yeah, and that's maybe that's that maybe that's on me. I'm just saying is that it does help to know that because I did not, and I googled it and I found out both those things, but it did make me lose about a half an hour on each end. What do you mean a half hour? How long were you on the internet? Did you start looking it up? No, no, not that. No, not that. The, video? the pink doors, it trapped me in a spot where I couldn't, I, I couldn't escape. Like there, I, it, there's a spot you can roll into a ball and get down, and there's a pink door. And you can't jump high enough to get back out where you dropped in from the ball. And I didn't know how to open a pink door. So I, I tried to putz around, tried to, you know, find a way to climb back up, and I couldn't. Reset, went back to my save, explored the whole rest of the map, only if I was pink doors. Well, I can't do anything there. So I tried to drop down. I'm like, I can't really be stuck there. I must have done something wrong. I roll back down there. I get stuck again. It's a whole thing. Wow. You didn't think to shoot the door? I did. Four times. No indication that it did anything. <laughs> All right. Getty, what's your one last thing? Time for control. Hell yeah. Joel? I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that, Getty. Uh, Al, Al's, we talked about this a little bit, but I, I've picked back up Persona 4 Golden. Uh, besides the fact that like Persona 5 has kind of ruined me a little bit with how stylish it is and its soundtrack, Teddy is like the worst animal companion ever <laughs> just just complete trash i mean morgana just wipes the floor with teddy and he's just such a whiny bitch oh it's, man don't go on the persona more, the subreddits man they will tear you to pieces it is aggravating as shit there's a and, lot of teddy defenders and, and i'm gonna say this too i like edor's voice in persona 5 better than persona 4 there I said it. Well, you've played Persona 5. You know that that's not the right voice for a reason. Shh, shh, shh. Yeah, you, shh. you're not you allowed to have that opinion. This. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't give anything away. That's a very just far said plot it's point. not his voice. It's not his voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, I I, I don't know. There, there's some weird dissonance between this, like, you know, again, Edor-looking guy and this kind of wispy voice going on the whole time. It, it's it, it's a weird dissonance that I've had to get used to. The Persona but, uh, fan and me and my brother, who we'll discuss it next week, but when we played Persona 5, we were actually upset by Igor's voice. Yeah, I, I can understand if you've had an affinity for the series and having them make a change that isn't explained yeah. why you'd feel that way. So I, I don't blame you, but... Uh, it's not hashtag not your Igor. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I'm starting to think Twitter was a mistake. <laughs> I love Twitter. <laughs> and that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash superggradio where you saw that we had multiplayer Mondays played our escape rooms. Now, uh, also, Joel and Kelly were playing the... What, what uh, You guys are playing Castle of Illusion? Yeah, Mickey Mouse's Castle of Illusion. And then we tried to do some Sonic Spinball, but apparently the stream uh, broke, so that didn't get captured. 
He broke the internet. He broke the internet. It's like Kim Kardashian. Put put the glass on my ass. <laughs> Episode title. If you'd like to reach us <laughs> questions or, or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com. Provide a review on iTunes or the Igor voice modulator of your choice. Thanks for listening. GG Joel. GG. GG Getty. Good game. Good night, everybody.